0: Welcome to Macintosh and Mod. Haven't seen what? A podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana.
1: And I'm David.
0: And today we watched A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child.
1: The pregnant Alice finds Freddy Krueger striking through the sleeping mind of her unborn child, hoping to be reborn into the real world.
0: Ooh, geez.
1: This one's weird.
0: Very weird. Not bad, but weird.
1: Not always in a bad way. I think... This movie is slow. It's not as slow as four. There's a lot more going on in this movie. Mm -hmm. The the problem with this movie is that it has a lot of really cool, really creepy ideas, Mm -hmm. but it never quite executes it. No. And Then it goes just a little too far into pregnancy moralizing. Mm Mm-hmm. This was clearly their attempt to make a body horror Freddy movie.
0: Which is not
1: dumb. Oh, that's an incredible idea.
0: Yeah, especially in 1989.
1: So in that way, it feels as though it's one of those very low budget, but very high concept horror movies. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of that going on. And some of the sequences early on are off-putting in a way that is both like disturbing and then also like, oh, we're mm-hmm. really going there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of gets mushy at the end.
0: Well, we've got some reasons for that. <laughs> oh, do we? Yeah. To start, our budget is $6 million and we grossed $22 million.
1: Okay. People are starting to get a little tired of it.
0: Yeah, this film opened at number three, but then it basically disappeared. It was the lowest grossing film of the franchise.
1: This is a weird movie. This is not a movie that's gonna grab everybody being like, oh, you gotta see the new Freddy. A lot of a lot of kids and teens were gonna walk out of this like, what just happened?
0: Yeah, a fair amount. So writing. We got a lot of we got a handful of people to talk about here. We get Wes Craven again, of course. to mm-hmm. credit. Then we have John Skip. And Craig Spector. They're kind of a writing duo. This is their first thing. After this, John Skip did Class of 99, Tales of Halloween, and Creepshow. He really does a ton of just horror stuff. And then Craig Spector, after this, did Volcano, Fire on the Mountain, and then Animals. They had to fight to get credit for their work on this script. Uh oh. Yeah. Also credited as Leslie Boehm. Before this, they did House Three, the horror show. And then after this, they did Kid, Nowhere to Run, Daylight, Dante's Peak, Taken as the Creator, which is an amazing show. The Alamo, The Darkest Hour, Extant, and Shut Eye on
1: TV. A big mix. A big mix. I remember Daylight and Dante's Peak. Those were peak, terrible 90s movies. Absolutely.
0: There were a couple of other people who aren't credited, but also did work on the final draft, including David J. Show and William Wisher, there were at least three alternate versions of this script that existed.
1: Do we know why? (laughs) Because if we don't know why, I have a pretty good idea of why.
0: Well, so here's the thing. And I saved this because this is kind of a cut and paste from a previous film. Our executive producer, Sarah Wisher's original pitch to New Line Cinema for... Nightmare Three, Dream Warriors, was for Freddie to have a baby. Richard said that they went into a meeting with the executives and one of them was pregnant at the time. And she goes, How about, you know, we picture Freddie clawing his way out of the womb and nobody liked that idea?
1: Well, yeah.
0: So then when she got the call for five, they're like, Hey, you know, remember when you wanted Freddie to have a baby? Well, we like that idea now. What if Alice is the mom?
1: That's not what it ends up being, and I actually appreciate that. Mm-hmm. The story itself is solid. The idea of Alice has a child. Yeah, Alice's child dreams mm-hmm. because they're all like, you know, we don't we don't do this. We we found a way not to dream. Where would this be coming from? And then realizing, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. there is someone dreaming inside me, and that is what's causing him to get in. Mm-hmm. So, like that whole conceptual structure works really well. Mm-hmm. And it plays into their ability to go. We are in 1989. We've established some of the more body horror, darker directors who have been able to make a name like Cronenberg. Yeah. So we can now kind of push that edge some. And so there's an opportunity to really mess around with that. Mm -hmm. But I think the problem is they focused way too much on the Freddy of it and less on the the alice and the dealing with the body part of it
0: yeah i think it should have taken longer for us to realize what was happening because they get to it really fast which i don't always hate but like it should have taken us a longer time for it to be like it's not alice having these nightmares it's the baby like that should have been a we. that should have been more of the twist than anything else
1: well, they fuck around and fart around for a good 20 minutes of the movie for no good reason.
0: Oh, yes.
1: They do wait until about halfway through the movie to get there. The problem is is that the first half of the movie does very little True. with the conceptual framework. So when they do hit that climax, you feel like you've only been watching this movie for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It is a very interesting, unique concept wrapped in a bunch of junk food. You're not wrong. And I I don't know why they couldn't see their way through because when they decide to get creepy with it, it's really creepy. This one's got some of the more unsettling moments. Mm-hmm. Like at first, the opening sequence is very eye-rolling, but also deeply unsettling in kind of a perfect way. Mm-hmm. It it shouldn't have been done so 80s glossy. Mm-hmm. This comes more to our director, I think, but there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting ideas and thoughts being thrown in there. And unfortunately, you've got a studio who's still wanting to make, you know, cash cow slasher films when this movie was trying to say, maybe it doesn't need to be a slasher anymore. Maybe we can get really psychological with it.
0: We're at a place where it's like, okay, we've done so much slash, slash, slash. We need to take this to a different place. So, okay, we're going to go to this body horror place. It's something we haven't explored. Great. Cool. Like, we've touched on it a little bit. Freddy in, is inherently body horror. Yes. But like, okay, we're going to make that more visual. Like, great. And one of the things that can be so creepy for many people is the, just the whole thought of being pregnant. Is a horror show in and mm-hmm. of itself to so many people. Great, let's expand on that. Like whole thing. Like I'm totally into that. Very cool. But what's your actual end game here? Because you don't have a script to support that concept. Concept, great. Film, not so much.
1: Well, and and your end game with the pregnancy is I'm going to keep my child. Yeah. Which
0: Yeah, it's just big eye rolling here in the Buckle of the Bible Belt.
1: It's got that remnants of Reaganism there. Mm-hmm. And I i don't know if that was intentional or not. I think what it comes down to is there's an awful lot of dudes in this room. Oh, for sure. Like an awful lot of dudes. And if you'd have given this to some ladies to make, mm-hmm. I really feel like you'd get something else.
0: Well, and there's a part of this that reminds me so much of the film The Butterfly Effect. Uh, it's a film that starred Ashton Kutcher early 2000s film, great film, but there is a there is an alternate ending that is inherently disturbing that when me and my friends watched it and we watched the alternate ending, they're we like, that inherently makes this film a thousand times better, but I completely understand why they didn't go with it. We do have some who could have been better. For writing? Yeah, for writing. Frank Darabont, Stephen King, Fred Decker, and Richard Christian Matheson were all approached and considered during the film's early development.
1: I mean, if anybody was going to get it, Stephen would understand this. (laughs) This is right up
0: Stephen or Frank Darabont's alley.
1: I'm not a fan of late-stage Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Really wish he'd just shut his mouth half the time. I mean, He's an old white dude.
0: He means well, but he needs to sit down and listen. But that's his problem currently.
1: Go watch the Red Sox and, and chill, okay? That's all you need to do. And right from your baseball field, okay? Just whatever. I don't I don't need to hear your opinions and thoughts anymore. But just in terms of his conceptual framework, yeah, they mm-hmm. would have they would have nailed this. They would have absolutely nailed that understanding. Again, they spend so much time on Freddie's relationship with this kid and Freddie's fraught childhood and upbringing, mm-hmm. which I think is important if you're gonna do this movie right. Mm-hmm but you have to balance it with Alice. yeah. And they weighted it way too much on Freddy. It's got to be both. And honestly, it's one of those rare situations where I think maybe you give another 15 to 20 minutes of movie time to actually balance that shit out. Mm-hmm. This movie moves at the same pace as the others, and it probably needs to slow the fuck down. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you really want to get into some of those horror elements, because. I think for me, what, what's interesting about this movie isn't so much that it, on its own it's good, but what kind of story it has within it to tell.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Let's move on to our director. We have Stephen Hopkins, who before this directed Dangerous Game. After this, they went on to do Predator 2, Judgment Night, Blown Away, Lost in Space, Under Suspicion, The Life and Death of Peter Sellers race, and a ton of television. They are actually more recently known as being an executive producer of series like House of Lies and 24. What do we think of Stephen Hopkins' direction?
1: This might be one of the most visually interesting Freddy movies we've watched. Agreed. This is the part to me that really pulled me in. Mm -hmm. Like setting aside some of the cheesiness, when he goes into that dreamscape, he makes it weird.
0: I can't. Pinpoint exactly what it is, but he has a very clear, different style between what is real life and then what is the dreamscape, and not in a way that is obvious, but he's doing different things. It's almost like i'm gonna uh, he's switching up how he's using the camera in the dreamscape versus how he is in what's supposed to be reality
1: he's he's a lot more mobile with the camera, yeah, he's a lot more direct and in face. There's a lot of echoes. That- you know two things that come to mind are the the things i've seen from like ken russell's the devils this mm-hmm. classically controversial psychological horror movie and also a little bit of david lynch not a lot not not to the not to the full degree but a little bit of that your dreamscape is your true nightmare <laughs> mm. life is the real nightmare there and sort of the the darkness living right underneath I I think the difference is that as opposed to everybody else who Freddy's Freddy's dream world is his murder playground, Mm -hmm. he takes the tack of Freddy's dream world is his hell, which is also what makes it fascinating when Alice is inside his dreams.
0: I hadn't really thought of that, that his dream world is hell. Because I I do... I do get that because ultimately like her getting into his head is his worst nightmare. Yeah. Which is very well portrayed. I just hadn't thought of it in that way.
1: But it's, it's kind of evident throughout that everything in there is falling apart. It's decaying. And he's, he's not as gleeful as he has been in these other movies. He's really haunted.
0: (laughs) He's, he's not as powerful, which is cool. Um, and it's and what's interesting is the second time he's gone up against Alice. And so, you know, the second time he went up against Nancy, Nancy died. Nancy's gone.
1: And he was arguably at the height of his powers because he had multiple people to go after.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Hmm.
1: There's stakes for Freddy as much yeah. as there are for all the other kids involved.
0: Yeah. The difference is there's really not other kids so much in this film. I mean, they're there because we need fodder. We need grist for the mill. But you're right. In the other films, there were no real stakes for Freddy, and here there are. We because we've we've created his dreamscape. He has stakes now, which I like. That's great. That's interesting.
1: And then there's a lot more playing around with. They they started to do this in Dream Warriors, and they didn't go all the way with it. And this one, it feels like they finally did, where Freddy goes directly after. Mm-hmm the motivation for each of these kids. Mm-hmm. And specifically, it's Stephen Hopkins with mm-hmm. the vision on how to make that happen. You take the guy who's in his sketchbook all day long, mm-hmm. we're going to make it all about sketches and his comic characters and style it that way. Mm-hmm. Instead of it being like the last movie when it's some really stupid kung fu homage, it's actually poignant and meaningful. Mm-hmm. And that is in spite of some shitty acting. Yeah. Like, that is what stands apart from this movie, is the fact that your director actually had concepts and ideas for how to visually represent this shit Mm -hmm. in a way that actually gives you something to dig into.
0: Hmm. Uh, Well, Rennie Harland was asked to come back, but he wasn't able to because of his directing Die Hard 2. Good. Stephen Hopkins was given just four weeks to shoot And only four more weeks to edit. So this meant that he had to shoot on one stage while the crew dressed the other so they could shoot pretty much continually. But after he made it, the studio was so impressed that he was given Predator 2, which is extra weird because this movie is released by New Line Cinema and Predator was released by Fox. (laughs) Very funny how uh, films can switch studios even after they're filmed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's move on to our cast. Okay. We start with Robert England, Freddy Krueger, Freddy Knife Hands. Is that it again?
1: We get new shades of him,
0: which I love. I love getting more Robert.
1: To be fair, a lot of that is the fact that Hopkins has given him that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of appreciate that. But getting to watch him be scared, especially of his mother, mm-hmm. that's cool to watch. Yeah. Every movie, he gets a little chance to do something different. Mm-hmm. Last one, it was comedy bits, which is frustrating because it was a terrible film. <laughs> but in this one, it really is. You get to see Freddy be scared. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat because it just shows what range Robert England really does have. You cake this man up in a bunch of crazy makeup. He still has tons of range with this character.
0: Mm-hmm. He's so fun to watch. He just is because he's so good at being menacing, but then also playing the comedy. Like he's Sup-
1: just... Super Freddy is a very good bit, <laughs> very fun.
0: Uh, next, we have Lisa Wilcox. Uh, I'm not going to go through her credits. We just talked about her last time, so what do we yeah. think about her this time?
1: Uh, she's better.
0: She feels more comfortable. She's not as you know run down the hall in the 80s upset. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, she's, like, less obnoxious, I guess.
1: It can be frustrating how reactive of a character she is. They mm-hmm. still have not figured that part out for, for Alice. Mm-hmm. But there's at least that element of she understands what the hell is going on, and she has the confidence that she's defeated him before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she's able to to stand there and withstand it, the only problem being that she also has to, you know, she can't save herself in the end that that's it's not possible Mm -hmm. there's only one way and that is for freddie to finally be confronted with his past yeah so she she's better she's improved but i mean she's kind of as an actress stiff as a board and there's just no getting around that
0: oh yeah um that's really it for our main cast
1: nobody else is in this fucking movie honestly (laughs)
0: Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and move on to our Arpons.
1: Friend people of note.
0: First we have Wit Hertford as Jacob. No, this is this, this is the little boy. This is her son. Jacob. This is one of those kids who showed up in a lot of different television as a child. He was in full house. He was just in a he was just like another kid in the classroom most of the time. But if you grew up in a very particular group in the 90s. You recognize this kid from *McGee and Me*, which is one of the dumbest but very popular Christian TV series.
1: Oh my god!
0: I like this. Yeah, this. And my family had all the *McGee and Me* tapes, so I'm like, I know that kid's face. I know who he is. It's great. It's amazing. It was like you were in *Freddie*. This is great. This brings me joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we have Kelly Joe Minter. She played Yvonne. Uh, You would have also seen her in Mask, Summer School, Lost Boys, House Party, The People Under the Stairs.
1: Basically a model type. Like hugely, hugely known.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we have Nicholas Melee as Dennis Johnson. He also appeared in Dream Master. Oh, good. Uh, Then we have Joe Seeley as Mark. He originally wanted his character to be goth and he wanted to, you know, have jet black hair and wear, like, bone shirts. So he was really upset that he wore more colorful clothes and had blonde hair.
1: They missed such an opportunity with that, man.
0: Like, I understand not wanting to go too much into a stereotype like that, but it was like, there was a place to play and they missed it.
1: Since fucking when with this movie series have we not been willing to do stereotypes?
0: I know, why wouldn't you go, like, why did you go so subtle?
1: His character would make so much more sense.
0: Like, I understand what you but like it's either full nerd or full goth. Like go for it. Like just do it.
1: But no. Well, no. And then they made him just the mealy mouthed, he's the loner kid. Also, he's terrible. I mean he's just
0: bad. Yeah, he's he's cardboard, literally. Next, we have Noble Craig as the merging Freddy. He's actually played a lot of different creatures in films. Uh, he was in Poltergeist 2, Big Trouble in Little China, The Blob, and The Bride of Reanimator. So, this is just one of the things that he does, which is pretty cool. Nice. We also have Michael Bailey Smith as the super Freddy. Like, he's also like a monster dude. Um, he was also in the reboot of The Hills Have Eyes. Okay. So, like, I like that we're getting they're getting a little more acknowledgement other than like just stunt dudes
1: i mean yeah also when you get to do horror stuff like this and it's clearly not robert england you Mm kind of have to credit somebody else
0: for the hot seat band members we have ted nugent uh rudy sarzo who is a member of quiet riot and white snake and we have eric singer who is the cat man he's a longtime drummer for kiss
1: They're in it for two seconds. Like
0: they're barely there, but they like get they pull good cameos like I'm here for this.
1: Like it was all the 80s metal guys and Nugent just like Mm -hmm. showed up and shit together. They created a super group called Damn Yankees. (sighs) Fuck Ted Nugent forever. Mm -hmm. Why did he have to be so good at guitar?
0: And then we have Andre G. Ellingson as the orderly. He is our special effects supervisor. Nice. Love it. Now we get trivia
1: trivia.
0: The famous song is changed. The original is one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, going to stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. This time it's changed to one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, better stay awake. Nine, ten, he's back again.
1: Cause he is. Yep. Which is
0: cool. Like it's like, it's cool. It's fun. Like you got to sing the song. If you don't sing the song, you're missing an opportunity.
1: Well, and to be fair, one, two and three, we pretty much established that he's not gone. Yes. Four. He's dead. Yeah. He's supposed to be dead. He's supposed to be completely Mm -hmm. out of there. Mm -hmm. So yeah.
0: Yeah. According to our director, Stephen Hopkins, they got a lot of tarantulas hand-painted them green and red and on the floor of the stage placed up a little wall in the shape of an arm and had trainers come in and around the tarantulas. And so like the plan was just to like drop the wall and film the resulting scattering of the spiders. However, after they got the shot, they were left in the studio with about 200 angry tarantulas. And so like Hopkins is like, you know, we kept shooting for like another set um, I don't think anyone ever found them again. So, like, we just figured it was someone else's job to get the <laughs> to make sure the tarantulas were all accounted for. But they're not entirely sure.
1: So there are haunted Freddy Krueger tarantulas, just and,
0: and their babies
1: just hanging around L.A.
0: Yep, that sounds about right. Yikes, I mean, that's that sounds correct for L.A. The laughter heard at the end, right before the credits roll, is a clip of Vincent Price laughing at the end of Michael Jackson's song, Thriller. Prince's laughter is sampled at the beginning of Cool Moe Dee's song, Let's Go, which is played during the film's end credits.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Ah, Cool Moe Dee. We are so in the 80s. When
0: Alice and Mark look through the pile of newspapers for a moment, the camera is set on an article regarding Amanda Kruger's death. In this article, producer Robert Shea is quoted as saying, she is a victim of evil within us all. I hope she will know peace in the life hereafter.
1: Well, I hope you don't know peace in the life hereafter, you scumbag.
0: (laughs) During the sequence in which the nun is attacked by the criminally insane, Robert England is wandering around the background without a spreading makeup, including one shot in which the camera lingers on him for a few seconds.
1: Well, okay. See, I thought that was intentional. Because my thought was that's supposed to be his dad.
0: I think so, too. I think it was a conscious choice, but like they weren't going to call any more attention to it or not. I also love the running gag that Robert England is in every is just about every film without yeah. his Freddie makeup because it's just fine. And if you don't know, you don't know. But if you figure it out, it's like, oh, there he is, which is yeah. fine.
1: But I do feel like like it, it felt way more specific. Because at first I was like, oh, wait, is that Freddy? And I was like, no, no, that's his dad. (laughs) Mm. That's gotta be his dad.
0: (laughs) If you were a Nightmare on Elm Street fan looking at the poster in 1988 and 1989, you were probably curious what the heck dream child meant and what was going on with the fetus in the crystal ball in Freddy's glove. Well, the people making the film thought the same thing, too, because the poster came out before they had really any idea what was going on with the movie. Oh, my God. I love it.
1: It's the same same fucking thing as Friday the 13th. Yep. We got a great title. We got a great promo. We have no idea what this movie
0: is. Like, I kind of love it. It's like now we do that today as a joke, as like a misdirection to people. And it's great. It's fun. But back then, it was just like, you're just lying to people. This is not a good plan. <laughs>
1: it's because they, there was no forethought to any of these. Like th- There was not a respect for a horror genre outside a handful of directors, mm-hmm. one of them being Wes Craven, who actually like gave a shit as to thinking through the stories and the ideas they were doing. Otherwise, it was just, let's make a whole bunch of fucking money off some teenagers. And it worked for a while. It really doesn't work anymore, though. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, This is the only Nightmare on Elm Street film of the original six not to have any direct involvement from Rachel Talalay, who had worked on Elm Street's one to four in various crew roles, Um, though she is thanked in the end credits. And then she also has a quick call out in the doctor's door to the baby clinic. It says Dr. Tala. Uh, Rachel Talley would later come back to the franchise and as our director so she'll be the director of our next film which is pretty cool. Freddy was played by the screenwriter for the teaser trailer. Um, David J. Shaw, one of the dream trial the rewrite people actually got to be in film. That's his hand in the Freddy glove at the end. The baby carriage was a big prop that he could actually fit into but the lights had to be placed inside the um the carriage and it almost caused his arm to catch fire
1: oh great uh so safe robert shea you you really treated everybody well on these movie sets
0: sometimes those things do just happen and nobody realizes it's a possibility it's not always negligence
1: (laughs) yeah but they keep happening
0: (laughs) yeah well it's a horror film with a very small budget in the 80s come on
1: and it's douchebag and it's
0: a problem i'm I'm just saying oh my god david the Freddy bike has a license plate that can be seen for a few seconds and it says Freddy, and it's a california plate (laughs) this is the second film to have a direct product placement by body glove in them
1: again god is it 1989 (laughs) oh absolutely
0: uh, when Mark is lying on the floor looking through comic books, he picks up one titled Nightmares from Hell. And in the upper corner is a KC in capital letters that stands for Kruger Comics. Nice. The death sequences were cut down significantly in order to avoid an X rating. Dan's motorcycle's death was originally longer and contained more gore. Um, like it would have shown like his face racked in pain. Um, with like Freddie laughing. Uh, so yeah, like they just, uh, they really had to cut it down because they were going to get an X rating.
1: And see, yeah, I kind of want it. No, I agree. That's some of the coolest shit in the movie. The Freddie cycle is horrifying. And awesome. Like at first it's silly. And then as it goes on, it's like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, I've been watching all the Saw films. And so, like the body horror, I'm kind of like, that's cool. I'm into this. Like, I don't love body horror, but when it's clever or interesting, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do this.
1: I'm noting this to maybe do a Cronenberg series. Gross. Point. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm not interested
0: in those films at all. Oh, you
1: don't want to watch The Brood where the woman gives birth to a, a Satan cult type thing? No. And it's you. all about how it's morphing in her body?
0: No, thank you. I'm
1: good. Okay. I just want to see people, like, murdered in interesting
0: ways, okay? That's all I want. Well, that happens, too. No, thank
1: you. But it also, like, slowly eats at their body.
0: I would rather watch The Strangers or Midsommar, okay? Leave me alone. In the documentary, Never Sleep Again, our director admits that he thought Mark's death was silly, but he was a huge comic book nerd, so he had to put it in there.
1: It wasn't that silly. It made a lot of sense.
0: It did. When Jacob yells schools out, Kruger, this was a replacement line for Whit Hartford because he was a minor at the time and he wasn't allowed to say that real line. Fuck you, Kruger.
1: <laughs> I
0: mean, I love children cursing, but I do understand.
1: I mean, Linda Blair did it in The Exorcist. Come on. Okay.
0: Well, I don't remember. If she was a minor at the time. So, but also, also,
1: also that was very not legal.
0: <laughs> and also, like, she was a teenager and whit hartford could not be more i think he's like 10, 10
1: yeah now. i know no, no no she was like 12 or 13 but also everything that william Friedkin did on that movie was probably highly inappropriate <laughs>
0: yeah it wasn't a great experience for all involved so ratings we're ready for ratings for every film we have a unique rating system for this film it's gonna be
1: freddy cycles
0: Freddie cycles him into it. Freddy cycles.
1: Imagine Freddy Krueger becoming you in his motorcycle form. That's interesting. Good.
0: This is my series, so I have to go first. I'm gonna go three and a half. Damn. I'm gonna go three and a half because the concept is great. It's very interesting, a little bit different for the series, but it makes complete sense for the progression. The actual like horror elements, the actual like murders, with the exception of the silly comic book one. Which, yes, was silly, but also I'm like, I'm a big fan of Aha's music video. So I'm like, I'm here for this as well. Those are cool. They're fun and they're interesting. And again, it takes it up a notch with this franchise, which is great. So, really, the only things that really, truly suck is the dialogue that doesn't really support this great concept. I mean, like the story beats are okay. They're not, the story beats themselves even aren't that bad. It's just this dialogue is hot, hot garbage. And our cast could be better.
1: Our cast could always be better.
0: You know, that that first movie, like that cast is not great, but they're all operating on a similar level. And that script is amazing because of us craven. So it's all fine. Like it all worked well. And you need something like that here, but the script sucks. So the dialogue sucks, not the script sucks. Um it's a three and a half. It's a three and a half.
1: I can't go that high.
0: Okay, that's fair.
1: It's three. I would normally say two and a half, except I kept getting pulled in and sucked into this movie because of the visual style. I think as a movie on its own, again, the movie is more intriguing to me for what it could be than what it actually is. Yeah. And the script is a big problem with that. I would disagree. I think the story beats are very off. I think we're missing a ton of connective information that we desperately need to round this story out. And specifically, we said, we need the balance of having Alice going through these changes. It doesn't have to get to the crazy level of some stuff, but what she's experiencing with Freddy needs to be tied to what she's dealing with being pregnant. Mm -hmm. And in that way, we can mix and match all of that together to get even deeper into her head about it. Mm -hmm. We're missing that. And because of that, a whole bunch of the elements fall flat. Like all of the, am I going to keep this kid? Am I not stuff is Mm -hmm. meaningless unless you bear, you actually get the gravity of that and you don't. The writing is that frustrating that it would normally be a two and a half, but our director saves it. Mm -hmm. Like he really pulls through and pulls a pretty subpar movie with a really great concept through the finish line to make it so visually interesting. And to your point with the comic book thing, it's not so much the nerdiness to me as, yeah, it might be kind of dorky, but it's appropriate to the character. Everything, every decision he made was appropriate to the story that was being told. Okay. And it fit. It, it just fit really well. So it's it's not as good as some of them, but it is really an interesting It's an interesting point in the franchise when you would think right after that last one, they would have tanked and instead they kind of rebounded.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was the lowest grossing film in the franchise, so. But that's because it was
1: weird. That's because it was really fucking weird. It's not not weird.
0: Okay. Well, we still got another two to go.
1: But officially one.
0: Officially one. And then we get a recoil, if you will.
1: But what what's, what's our next
0: one? The next one is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare.
1: Now, let us remind you, this is not the last movie we will be talking about. No. So this will not be The Final Nightmare. No. But do you think they're going to try and build it that way, Diana? Oh, for sure.
0: For Jesus. sure. You got to assume everyone's the last one.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean it's also you you always have to remember it was like the second these movies stopped making money they were going to ditch it like hot garbage I mean mm-hmm. this was never you can tell this is a franchise that people have really interesting ideas of stuff to do with it but at a certain point they were like yeah if it's not going to make us five times or ten times a return we're done mm-hmm. so I guess we'll find out if they figured it out on the next movie so until next time have a good
0: movie <laughs>